you're probably aware of the critique I gave about what Arrow's been up to. And I think they're slow walking this as much as possible. I don't think there's any real strong impetus to disclose for the government police to disclose what they know. And they're going to do whatever they can to make sure that doesn't happen. Welcome back. I'm here again with Bob Salas. Bob, welcome back, my friend. Thank you, Sean. Good to talk to you again. Yeah. Enjoyed our All right. Last- so, yeah, I absolutely enjoyed our last discussion. Okay. So, disclosures in the air again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you had recently an interview with Arrow. So, just a quick question before we get into the latter part of the interview. When was it? And did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? And then what are next steps, at least that they told you? Yeah, well, they reached out sometime in January, I think, of this year. Okay, so that's positive that they reached out to you proactively. That's a positive. Okay. Yeah, well, I don't think they had a lot of choice. Remember last year... When Deputy DOD Moultrie, Mr. Moultrie. Yeah, uh, Mr. Moultrie, who had no idea Roswell happened, right? Or, or <laughs> I should say happened because I can't prove it. But <laughs> but he was asked by uh, Representative Gallagher. Gallagher's from Wisconsin, I believe. Yeah. He asked me if I'd, he'd heard about the Malmstrom incidents. And uh wow. Well, I heard rumors. It's a, <laughs> so anyway, Gallagher told him to please check into it. And so he said he would. And then I've, I've been in contact with many of the congressmen and a couple of the senators. By contact, I mean, it was one way, really. I've, but I've been sending them documents about my story, et cetera, for some time, literally years. So when Errol reached out, I wasn't surprised that they had heard about my story, but they contacted me, I think, in January. And then February 15th, I gave my interview to Arrow. And it was both a written statement, which I read from, and also a PowerPoint presentation. Mm-hmm. And I also sent them supporting documents. And I also played for them audio tape of other witnesses that supported one or both of these two incidents, the Echo and Oscar flight shutdowns. Now, did they do this in person, on Zoom, or on a telephone? Strictly telephone. At first, uh, when they corresponded with me, they said they wanted to have this in a secure setting, et cetera. I thought that, you know, they're going to send me to some air base and... Skiff somewhere, right. And skiff somewhere and do it there. But no, when it came right down to it, it was just a phone call. It was on an open line. My my wife was sitting right next to me when I did this. And how many people were on the other side of the line? And what was there? I know you can't say names out of respect and things like that, but. Yeah, they asked me not to reveal their names, but there were just two of them. Kirkpatrick was not one of them. So these right. were, were they mid-rank Junior rank, senior rank? I have no idea what the rank was. They did not say 
captain so-and-so or major or whatever. But they were military. They weren't necessarily civilian staffers. I know one staffers. of them, in one of the correspondents stated he was with AFOSI or had been with AFOSI. So that surprised me. But well, Now, why does that surprise I mean, I... I'm not surprised, but I'm not surprised because I'm cynical. But why did why did it surprise you? Well, uh, what surprises me is after you hear this recording, because before I gave the interview, they told me that anything I said would not cause me any risk as a result of signing a non-disclosure agreement, which was a big relief because I did sign a non-disclosure agreement. Mm-hmm as I said, and the guy that made me sign it was this guy from AFOSI. So, and I can't believe AFOSI just uh, doesn't keep track of the NDAs they get signed. So that was so surprising. I mean, do you think that they didn't keep track or do you think that they just conveniently forgot? uh, Maybe the latter conveniently forgot that they had it. But they they must have records of it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Yeah, I mean, if I can go and find one of my ancestors' Civil War records at the National Archives, then they have it. So, okay. Uh, And who was the other? So you have one either current or former OSI person. Who was the other person? I, I can't. I, I don't know exactly. I think he was Navy, but I'm not sure. Or ex-Navy. Uh, yeah. Okay, so the Office of, what is it, the ONI, the Office of Naval Intelligence is potentially from there? He didn't state what office he was from. Okay, that's also interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, so we'll go through the beginning parts of the interview, but in the interim we're going to start with your recording which they consented to according to you right so we're not airing anything that you can't air they didn't ask me not to record and i told them i announced at the beginning that i was going to record the entire interview now they could have stopped me right there and said no you can't do that blah 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 but they didn't so as far as I'm concerned, this is fair game. I got the entire interview on tape, and I've already played this part of it on a previous show, and I don't mind playing it again for you. Okay, and this is about 20 minutes? No, th- this part is only going to be a couple of minutes, but it's part of a, okay. the end. After I gave my presentation, I talked to these gentlemen for another 20 minutes or so. And this, okay. is, this is just a two minute. All right, that's that's actually perfect. Yeah. Okay, so I'll just play it and then we'll talk about it. Will you be sending inquiries to the Air Force uh, about the comments I've made? 
I defer to Kevin on this one. Uh, well, like, for example, like which one? Well, <laughs> well, uh, whether or not uh, they concur that both Echo and Oscar flight lost strategic alert during uh, UFO sightings. Well, so not directly. Um, I mean, we've kind of already inquired with the Air Force several things, even less specific, like where is all the U-2 footage? Literally, where'd that film go? Where is it stored? Was it ever digitized? Where might copies of it be? I'm still trying to run down questions like that because we've interviewed some former pilots who um, told us about events that they've witnessed and their airplanes may have captured and um, testing crews, uh, security policemen, uh, you know, all these different places where the Air Force may have um, some kind of audiovisual recording of it or and part of the problem is we're talking about things that happened um, obviously long before any of the people currently serving in the Air Force were, were serving. And so and they're a couple of generations removed. And when you go talk to them about where, you know, where are the Afotech films from the Atlas rocket launches in the early 1960s from Vandenberg, I can't find anybody that knows. Um, and it, it could have been that they were disposed of so long ago that it's not even in the corporate memory anymore, or maybe they are stored somewhere. Um, so we're still working on trying to get answers to a bunch of basic questions like that. Okay. <laughs> Do they teach the OSI OPSEC? Like, I got a U-2 flight. I got Atlas rockets at Vandenberg. Right, so that the Atlas rocket thing obviously has nothing to do with your case, right? But there is oh, a case well, where you had UFOs disabling the warhead. Yeah, right, right. They had they had previously interviewed Robert Jacobs about yeah, that. his case. So that was before my interview. So that's why he mentioned the Atlas rocket. What's uh, the U two thing? A good question. So that's a good question to ask. <laughs> but uh wow I, wow I think you dig into some of the ufo history no doubt some of the u2 pilots had encounters with ufos and had footage of it and had apparently footage. oh sure yeah oh yeah they were they they had a lot of you know photographic equipment on those YouTube planes, so I'm sure they would have been able to take some shots. Now I can understand at least his point about two decades removed and things like that because well I can understand that people yeah. might have changed, but my God, you got to throw away that kind of information, you know? No, no. Kind of video, you're gonna just chuck it or burn it or what? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, you're gonna you're gonna put it in a very, very safe and secure place that's never gonna see the light of day. Is what you're gonna do with it? No, right. Okay. So, how did the very beginning of the interview go? So you get on the phone, and what do they start well, asking you? Yeah, they basically turned it over to me, and I gave them the interview. Well, the presentation I gave, like I said, was a PowerPoint. 
I read it. It was about an hour and a half long. I mean, I went into great detail, not only about my incident, but also about the cover-up, some of which we talked about last time. And I also showed them my documentation. I had about 22 documents that I showed them, you know, letters, documents talking about Telegram, for example, that Echo Flight went down for no apparent reason. And this was cause for grave concern to the Strategic Air Command. Anyway, like I said, it was about an hour and a half long. They listened politely. They didn't really interrupt. They were taking notes, they said. And it went very smoothly. They even complimented me on my presentation. Did they ask you any questions about similar questions that I asked you in the prior interview? Not really. They didn't get into details. For example, I told them about the echo flight incident and the fact that the man's name who was in, in charge of the flight at the time was Colonel Walter Fiegel. And I asked them if they had Fiegel's contact information because I was ready to give it to them. And they said, yeah, we've got it here somewhere. But they didn't say that they were going to contact him and interview him. To this day, I don't know if he's been interviewed. And then I also told him about Dave Shindelli. That was the incident that happened in September of 1966 at Minot Air Force Base. Very similar. All 10 missiles went down during a UFO incident there. And they had his information. They had Shindelli. And they later did contact him and interview him. So he has been interviewed now. So just to reiterate, within the span of six months, 30 Minuteman missiles were disabled during UFO incidents. And this was at Malmstrom and Minot? Yeah. If you add up the Minot and Malmstrom incidents, at least 30. And to reiterate, also during the period that the Condon Report was inactive. That's right. Which has, maybe it's a coincidence, <laughs> but because to believe it, you would have to believe that whatever this non-human, or frankly, it could be a human intelligence from, the you know, who knows, from the future, who knows, right? But whatever this is, it not only knew how to disable the missiles with a very precise electromagnetic yeah. signal, but it also seems to have known what was going on at the broader government level in terms of trying to deny the existence exactly. of... Exactly. Exactly. I think uh, you're right on. These incidents that we're describing happened right in the middle of the Condon investigation. And I'm sure that they wanted to... Uh, they wanted to make that point that they're around, they're here. I didn't tell you about another incident when one of the targeting teams was out at one of the echo flight birds. They were trying to bring back up on alert. This man, I'll call him Tex. He wants to stay uh, anonymous at this point. He was in charge of doing the retargeting, had almost finished up with what he was going to do. He was down in a maintenance bay had a guard upstairs, and at some point when he was going through his checklist, 
the guard gets his attention and points up in the sky and he goes up the ladder and, and looks up and there's this orange orb. And this was a, a looked like a fireball orange and it was sitting up there and he told the guard to report it but then he decided to go back down and continue to restart the missile he'd go through his checklist while this object was still up there he'd go through his checklist and get to a certain point uh, just about ready to restart the missile and the missile would shut down again he'd have to start over went through his checklist again missile shut down at the same point it shut down before he said he tried this many times with the same result while this object was just above him and his take was that this object knew exactly what he was doing and exactly how to shut this missile down so no these are not man-made objects sir they're they're just not well they 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 could be but they could be again i'm i don't want to enter i want this i'm trying to make make this a very technical they could be in the sense that not let's just say not modern humans right <laughs> you know it could be it could be the time traveler hypothesis there could be there's the ultra terrestrial hypothesis right there's an advanced species of humans living on I have no evidence to suggest any of this stuff. I'm just, I'm trying to avoid saying it's ETs. Could it be ETs? Sure. Could it be some other phenomena, some other natural phenomena that we just don't understand? Sure. Right. But whatever it is, it can shut off our nuclear weapons and it can, it's either telepathic or there's some time dimension where it just knows it can just project forward what you're going to do precognitive. So I, I don't, I don't okay. want to speculate, but there's a there there. Let's just say, okay. So I'm gonna. This is more of a kind of meta question. What do you think these things are? Again, you're speculating. We're all speculating. Here. No, we're all speculating. Um, well, all right. Well, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. They could be just about anything. I think they are real objects they're not imaginary objects or anyway i think they are real objects under control mm-hmm. they have an agenda and they're not from planet earth or they're not from earth that we know of and they have an agenda and they know exactly what we're doing with our nuclear weapons and in great detail and again speculation what do you think is driving this sudden med or apparent med scramble to disclose? Well, you're living in another world than I am. I don't think there is a scramble to disclose. I think, you know, the disclosure of the Tic Tac videos was a step forward. I don't Mm -hmm. know exactly how that happened, whether or not there was some rogue actor getting that disclosure done. But as a result of that, Congress got interested. But you're probably aware of the critique I gave about what 
Arrow's been up to. And I think they're slow walking this as much as possible. I don't think there's any real strong impetus to disclose for the government police to disclose what they know, and they're going to do whatever they can to make sure that doesn't happen. So are you familiar with the whole Chris Bledsoe situation in North Carolina? No, I'm not. So again, this is just a working theory, but there's a gentleman, he he wrote a book, it's called UFO of God. It just came out. I interviewed him a few weeks ago, but the interview appeared, I think, yesterday. So he's, I mean, he's an Instagram account. He has orbs regularly appearing on his property. And he's had some sort of interaction. This is more of a close and personal sort of interaction. The entities that he dealt, are you familiar with the Rendlesham incident? Oh, yeah, sure. So the entities that he described actually have a very similar symbol to the symbol that was observed on the Rendlesham UFO, which was like a a triangle with a circle in the middle or the other way around. I think a circle with a triangle in the middle. But they started feeding him with information, which was effectively predictions. So he predicted a Baja earthquake. He thwarted a papal assassination plot. So regardless, you can make these claims and everything. But the interesting thing about him is the government showed up at his doorstep and kind of told him, let's keep this quiet for a few years. So I think, and this is just my hypothesis, that the phenomena, whatever it is, is going to disclose no matter what in the next year or so. And I think right now the government's kind of flat-footed, and they're trying to get there as quickly as possible, which is why you're seeing senators upset. You've seen that letter that was sent by Rubio, and it wasn't Gillibrand, it was Warner, the Secretary of Defense and the Director of National Intelligence, saying that, like, where's the public site that you're supposed to set up for disclosure? What's the status on that? In other words, go faster. Why are you going so slow? So- I think there's an externally motivated deadline and the government is, you know, all tore up from the floor up, so to speak. And I think there's factions within the government that don't want to disclose this stuff as to your point, because they've been keeping it quiet for so long. And I think the reason is, is they don't, they don't have a good handle on it. They can't explain it. So, like, if you look at the Bledsoe thing, he doesn't necessarily say they're aliens, right? He he thinks that there's some sort of light beings that, you know, some would call angels and this and that, right? So the government doesn't have a clue. They don't have a clue what this thing is. So that's why I'm not, you know, I'm not. And by the way, it could it could also be all of the above. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I I think well, there's something external that's driving this. We've heard predictions uh, before. You know, we, we've heard stories about, you know, by this date and that date, we're going to know, et cetera. Hasn't happened. I've been doing this, like I said, for nearly 30 years. You know, I, I was in contact with Congressman Schiff. This was the congressman from New Mexico, not the current. Not the California one. Yeah, uh, Not that one. 
Yeah, we corresponded, and finally he, he said that he heard from the Air Force. He looked into Roswell, and Air Force told him that those documents had been destroyed about Roswell. They can't find any documents. So I believe that there is a serious organization, which I call the UFO Secrecy Cabal, and it's international in nature. I know they've been working with other countries, other intelligence agencies in other countries, and this has been going on probably since the Roswell incident and Majestic 12 and all that. So it's been going on a long time. They're well organized, and they are not about to give up these secrets for whatever reasons. Um, we can all speculate on why. But I think if the government is driving this, we're not getting it. It's not coming. Uh, we're not, we're for not sure, getting- 100%. <laughs> if something else is driving this, so, then they don't really have much of a choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay. If uh, UFOs land on the White House lawn, fine. I'll look forward to that day. But I don't know, even though I don't even think that's going to happen. Well, we're reaching a point of technological change where you can no longer determine if a photograph is faked or real. Right. And if you have those tools, the government, you could literally land a UFO on top of the White House. And somebody, some mirage man would come out the next day and be like, oh, it's fake. Let me let me show you the lens flare. Let me show you how this and that. <laughs> there are easy way. I mean, like, oh, there's this there's this picture that Jeremy Corbell, there were like 50 Marines or 50 people, many of them Marines, saw lights in the sky, relatively stable, okay, for 30 to 40 seconds, okay? And if I were trying to debunk that, I would say it's drones or it's an airship of some sort. But these debunkers come out with the most mentally challenged description, like all oh, their flares. I spent five years in the desert. They ain't flares. I, I'm not saying it's a UFO, but I'm pretty damn sure they're not flares. Flares descend, right? And it's just uh, you're going to be off my soapbox. But there's there's an industry of people who are just like. Uh, look, there's a lot of hoaxers, and and we need people who are skeptical and who are shooting some of this stuff down because it hurts credibility of people like you who have actual physical evidence, at least by correspondence and things like that, that this stuff happened. But when you start coming up with things like that, you're reaching, like you're reaching. You know, 50 Marines aren't don't know what a flare looks like. Really? Really? <laughs> so anyway and you have people who've been sitting behind a desk for their entire lives are like oh well no or it's just like have you ever used a flare like what you know what it looks like can you describe it it's like a tube and you take the top off the tube and you tap the tube and it shoots up and it's a parachute and a loom that it, and you can see a smoke trail it's like anyway sorry i'm going off on a, <laughs> a tangent but Usually yeah. when like people who are uneducated in these things, like they can easily be swayed with stu- I and mean, frankly, that's stupid. That's an ignorant explanation what that particular incident was, yeah. but people believe it because they're not trained observers. So anyway, I didn't mean to get in my soapbox. So it sounds like you don't think this thing's going anywhere. Well, I, I think there is hope if we had open hearings. If the Congress comes up with the will 
and determination really to try to get to the bottom of this they will demand or they will have open hearings where they bring in witnesses like myself and others to testify uh, under oath in great detail and that'll inspire more witnesses to come forward and also get the congress to really trying to get to the bottom and ask more compelling questions one of the big problems i had with the last hearing they had between Gillibrand's group, Senate Armed Services Committee. Uh, mm-hmm. and With the uh, Intelligence Committee, right? Yeah, and Arrow with Kirkpatrick was that they didn't follow up on some of his comments. Like, he claimed that he didn't see any anything uh, of high advanced technologies. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's just a flat-out falsehood. I, I mean, there's been plenty of evidence of advanced technology you know the navy pilots talk about seeing this object come out of the water so obviously it was maneuvering underwater flying it flew up to fifty thousand feet very quickly and then came back down to hover near the ocean and things like that we don't have any aircraft that can do that no not back then not now there's an alternative hypothesis for that right Let's say Roswell did exist. Let's say we recovered something. Let's say we figured out how to fly one of these things. So that would be the only scenario where we have this technology, but it's not something that we would have developed. Otherwise, you would have seen it seep into the civilian yeah. world by at this this point. So, And that's the problem with this field. That's where they get you, right? Where if yeah. you declaratively say it's ETs, and then they're like, well, how do you know? Well, yeah. you don't know, right? No, you don't know because you don't know what kind of technology ET has. But to get back to the question of uh, whether or not we're going to get to the bottom of this, like I said, I think open hearings is the best shot because then the public, more of the public, will get involved in demanding answers. And right now it's too easy for the intel community, as you know, to obfuscate talk around the subject, confuse any kind of inquiries coming from the Congress. First of all, they're not qualified really <laughs> to really. I mean, they're not qualified to be in Congress, to be frank. I mean, they just got, they just won a popularity contest. Exactly. But... exactly. but as far as uh, having the technical knowledge to ask the right questions, they just don't know how to do that. And, and even if they did, yeah. Their constituents, for the most part, wouldn't understand those questions, right? Yeah. So yeah. they kind of got you both ways. I just wish that what's the harm? In fact, the people probably more people were harmed by not knowing what they were dealing with, right? Again, you can't believe all these experiencers, but some of them, you know, put their credibility on the line. You know, if those experiences are to be believed, those people went through some really deep, traumatic problems. Yeah. And if they had known that that what we see or con- consider the, the fundamental nature of our reality is not, you know, it's not 100%. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, if the government's not protecting us, if they're not getting some of this stuff out. They may think they are protecting us, but they're not protecting us. And I think that's what the the heart of the issue is. Again, this is an issue 
having to do with democracy because democracy works when the people are informed and they know what mm-hmm. they're going to up to. Uh, otherwise, what have we got? We've got a government that's operating without oversight and there's just too much secrecy in government, excessive secrecy. Mm-hmm. I think even, you know, the senators have acknowledged already, but that's another huge problem in, on its own. How do you change that? How do you change the whole environment? And I think this is the one, this is actually an opportunity for the government at a point in time when trust in government is at the lowest, at least in my lifetime, this is the one opportunity where they have to get it right. Yeah. And they don't get this right. We're, I mean, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in big trouble. So Anyway, my friend, I'll, I would keep talking your ear off all day, and I know it, I, I think <laughs> that took up way too much of your time. So I appreciate you, and I appreciate you keeping all the records that you did and continuing to fight the good fight for the last 30, no, I mean, way more than that. Well, and thank right. you, John, for your, your program and showcasing this and having uh, people like myself on. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Bob. Take care now. If you enjoyed this video, please click on like, subscribe, and the notification button so that you're alerted anytime I post something new.